Welcome to Just James's podcast. Scooby Doo Doo, Wobbly Wow, Billy Mariah, Wow, 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 with Thomas, definitely not Timothy. Yeah! Nailed it! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Just James. It's your host, James. I have my beautiful plant, my best buddy, my co-host, the man of the hour, Thomas, with me today. He is keeping me company, guys. I, I'm going to admit, I'm actually doing this podcast lying in bed. And I know this sounds crazy. If anybody saw my TikTok, I... um. I've I spent a wonderful weekend away with my family. We went to a little holiday resort in the UK, which is called Centre Parks, for the weekend. There was uh, eleven of us. It was absolutely wonderful. It was such a great time. Um, but on arrival, we were told that my teeny tiny, beautiful ten-month-old nephew, the whole of that week before they got there, had picked up the most horrendous stomach bug from uh, nursery because he's just started nursery. It's sort of the first time he's been exposed to other kids and other illnesses. And my brother had a the most horrendous cold and he was coughing and sneezing like crazy. He'd had it all week and he sort of felt like he was on the arse end of it. My future sister-in-law, her parents uh, and my nephew Callum had all had this absolutely horrendous stomach bug and they were all sort of like on the arse end of it as well. And they're like, they feel better. You know, it absolutely knocked them for a six. So they were like, if you're going to touch Callum, wash your hands, look after yourself, make sure you don't catch this little bug from him. And of course, I can't help myself. I can't help picking up my very sweet and cuddly, cute little baby nephew because he's the cutest bloody thing on the planet. I'm obsessed with him. So Friday night, I picked him up and I got back. I washed my hands. They said the hand sanitizer doesn't stop this bug. So um, I was fine Friday. And then Saturday, I woke up absolutely man down absolutely man I had such like I know this sounds terrible I had a bit of a tummy bug uh you know runny tummy I was really nauseous and then I thought about oh no I'm lying Saturday I was Friday I was fine Saturday I was fine Sunday I woke up with this bug so um I said to everybody I could also be the fact that I've been eating so healthy so clean everything I've been so well behaved and um I had also like over the weekend I've been absolutely like raising junk food snacks we've been drinking alcohol I haven't really been drinking lately in any possible way and I said to them look it could also be that I've now like poisoned my system to to some degree um and my body could literally just be reacting to um to <clears throat> sorry to all the junk that I've had so Sunday, my stomach wasn't right. Monday, we were heading back from Center Parks. And I, when I woke up, I just felt so dizzy all day. Managed to get back from, from the trip, got home. I sort of took it easy Monday night. Had I, I barely got through my dinner. I didn't eat the whole of Monday day. 
And by yesterday, which is Tuesday, when I was supposed to record my podcast, I had the most severe vertigo. If I stood up, I was so dizzy. It made me vomit. I was just so man down. And today I got up, I cleaned my house here. I thought, oh, I'm so much better. Everything's fine. I need to record my podcast. And I've just slowly and slowly and slowly gone back downhill and I'm back to this bloody vertigo. So if I'm lying down, I feel right. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit nauseous, but I'm not like sick. But the minute I stand up, I have the most severe vertigo. It's the craziest thing. I have never experienced it. And like I don't have an infection in my ears because that's normally, you know, there's, there's quite a range of conditions that can sort of create it. And it's inner ear, it's your brain, it's sensory system, nerve pathways. Um, but I, it's definitely, definitely this bug that's created this sort of vertigo for me. So I know it's not like like pregnancy or an ear infection. It's um, or sort of many years. I think it's called many years disease. M I N I E R E S. Many years disease. It's just a stomach bug that's that somehow it's sort of like affecting my brain. It's so weird, but it's the spinning dizziness, and you feel like the room and surrounding environment is just spinning in a circle. I feel like you know when you're really drunk. Like when you're a teenager and you go out drinking and you get home and you almost like have to put your hand on the wall and your foot on the floor. Like that's how I feel all the time at the moment. So I feel like I'm I'm absolutely spinning all the time. And it's it's the most crazy thing. And if I stand for too long, I just vomit. It's crazy. So it like creates this like balance problem. It's like a lightheadedness. It's like motion sickness, nausea, vomiting. It's just, like, I don't know if the ringing in the ears, but that is like a, a thing for it. Um, headaches. I've got this insane headache at the moment. Like my head is absolutely pounding and nothing I take is touching sides on this headache. So the, the amount of time that it can, oh, I can hear somebody banging something. Sorry about that. Um, sometimes it can last a few seconds, sometimes it can last several days, depending on the outline cause of it. Um, but what it does is it just, it literally just makes you feel horrendous. I mean, there's different things that can cause this. There's, uh, labyrinthitis, there's, um, vestibular neuritis. Oh God, I don't even know how to pronounce half, half these things, but, um, you know, it can, it can also occur with like migraine headaches, a head injury ear surgery sorry if you hear like a scratchy noise it sounds like somebody's doing something on like a pipe in my building but of course because I'm not feeling great I'm not going to move I'm just going to stay where I am and I do apologize and I know it's Wednesday and I know the podcast is due today I did do a little TikTok last night be like guys I'm trying to do this I just feel so sick that I actually I couldn't even get up and go fetch my laptop and my like microphones last night and I've managed to get everything today and I've climb myself back into bed and I was like I have to do the podcast I'm not sick enough to not talk um so I might as well get get the information out to you guys which is what you you would want uh it's not your fault that I'm not feeling great so the podcast is here I hope you're happy I love you uh and you're getting the podcast so you know it can create vertigo can happen in pregnancy um which can sort of like low blood pressure in pregnancy can also lead to dizziness. Um, I can assure you that that's not the symptom of what my problem is. Mine is definitely a stomach bug. And um, it can also be hereditary, funnily enough. 
you know, it's something that can also be, you know, brought down from your family members. If your family has a history of, of um, vertigo, it's something that you can get as well. So I'm sure mine's going to pass. I was fine this morning when I got up. I mean, like I said, I just had a mild headache. I cleaned up the housey. I changed my bedding. I washed the shower curtain. I hung up my laundry. I vacuumed the carpets. And then I just slowly, like, just started feeling, like, worse and worse and worse. I think I just did too much too quickly, to be honest. Um, and I'm not quite a hundred percent enough to be out of bed. So I'm hoping it goes, hopefully this week and I feel better next week. I haven't done any gym. I canceled, uh, my Pilates class yesterday, which is very unlike me. And, um, and I think I'm going to cancel, oh, I'm definitely going to cancel, uh, my hit class today. I just, I just can't, I physically can't, but it's fine. I, um, Guys, you guys, you guys gave me quite a lot of good feedback last week on my suggestions about grooming. And I know Mish came back to me with and asked some advice about dog nails. Uh, a couple of you guys said it was things that you hadn't considered. A couple of you guys said you wish you had done that from when your dogs were a young age. So if you guys ever want doggy advice, I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you as much advice as you can. As you know, I have a degree in dog psychology and behaviorism. I am a qualified dog groomer. I've studied everything that there is. I mean, I would love to actually go back and be a vet, but now I feel like maybe I'm too old for it. And by the time I'm actually qualified and ready to go, I'm going to be in my 50s. So <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it, but I would love to. Um, and I have probably over a hundred books on dogs within my flat so if I don't know the answer I could always look it up for you and give you some advice and um, you know I'm always here to give gives I mean I'm a qualified dog nutritionist as well I'm qualified a dog CPR and first aid so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to animals and dogs so well not animals dogs in particular but one of the things that uh, my beautiful friend she's my conundrum queen uh, Michelle commented, uh, she sent me a message and she commented on it and she said that her, you know, they have a rescue dog, which they wish from a younger age, they had known, you know, to take to the doggy parlors and she's a little bit triggered by the dog. So sometimes going to the groomers is not always a great thing for her because, um, you know, doggy also reacts to other animals and, and she doesn't like having her nails cut. So I thought I'd share the information that I shared with her um, onto the podcast because why don't we all learn something? So a lot of dogs are petrified of having their nails cut. And my opinion is, and my one of the most common reasons is, is that at some point in their lives, somebody's probably trimmed a nail and cut the wick in the nail. And it's really sore. You know, you're cutting into the nerve. It's really painful. So it creates a bit of a fear for the dogs. And when they hear that clicking noise of the of the clippers, that sense of fear comes back. You know, it's anxiety-laden behavior from a dog because they, they think you're going to hurt them again. You know, if somebody cut your nail and literally cut it in half, every time you that person tried to cut your nails again, you'd also be petrified. Like, it makes perfect sense. So, although nail trimming is a very essential part of dog grooming, and nail trimming is a very clear sign that your dog's healthy and hygienic, Professional groomers will perform this task for squeamish owners or try and do it for people so that it's done correctly. 
nail tripping can be very anxious laden experience for the dogs that's that's it's something that scares them they don't like the sound of it you're also like clipping something on them so if you if you start handling your puppy's feet and trimming their nails from a really young age they'll be absolutely fine with it but things do occur problems do happen where some dogs will be petrified and some dogs will need to be restrained some dogs maybe even need to be muzzled to have it done i don't like muzzling dogs personally i've i've trained in such a way to groom a dog that uh if if possible i won't i won't restrain a dog but you know you can do whatever you want to try and help them even if it's licking peanut butter off a wall mat or you know giving them a distraction to cut their nails but trying to get your dog comfortable and as little as a week old, you can start trimming dogs' nails to try and help them get used to it. But sometimes it'll take a puppy a little bit longer, longer to get used to it. And be patient. You know, keep keep a positive attitude. Try and keep praising and treats and keep a positive reinforcement to it. And if it helps, just try and frequently just keep touching your puppy's paws gently and cheerfully so that they... Like even if you're just putting your fingers through their paws and then leaving them alone, putting your fingers through their paws, leaving them alone on different days, different occasions, so they get used to the sensitivity of having their feet handled. So let the puppy, especially if it's a puppy or a dog, sniff the clippers or the grinders and then give them a treat and praise them. Then let them touch the put touch on the paw, give them a treat and praise them. Touch the nail clippers on each paw, squeeze the clippers so the puppy hears the sound and or the grinder i'll talk about the grinder now and then you know let the puppy feel the vibration and they don't actually trim the nail and then just give them a treat and then start giving clip the nails give them a treat clip the second nail give them a treat i mean you're going to end up giving them 25 treats but it's fine like it's fine because you're getting them used to the process and then you know if you just start trimming right off the bat and not sort of helping with the praise or treating the puppy sometimes they'll they'll take it a little bit negatively and then slowly you know next time you do the nails do one whole paw give them a treat do the second whole paw give them a treat until you've done all four four all four paws and then give them a treat so you reduce the treats every single time and then slowly you can work your way up to the point that you could just quickly cut their nails no issues no hassles and you know they they don't see any any issue with with the the sort of situation that it is but there's several types of dog trippers so number one there's scissors but i wouldn't say use scissors unless you're very highly trained because there's no guard on them there's unless you know exactly where that wick is and the dog could potentially move you could potentially cut them you could cut a paw so unless you're very well trained i would not recommend scissors but there's a grinding tool and there's the dog dog clippers now if you're comfortable use whatever works for you and it's a good idea to sometimes get some um uh stemping powder or like clotting powder so that if you do sort of cut a little wick you just pop their little paw into the powder and it stops the bleeding immediately for you and never cut a vet's nails before you've seen a vet or the vet tech has showed you how to do it, go down to your local vet, be like, I really want to learn how to cut my dog's nails. Where is the right position? They will show you where the wick is in your dog's nails. So please don't just pick up your dog's nails and think you can do it. There is a wick, which is a nerve that runs through every single nail. And you need to know exactly where that wick is so that you don't cut it because it is so sore for them when you do. So find out where that is before you even start. And then you pick up the paw, and firmly and gently paste your 
place your thumb on the pad of the toe. So it's a little like that little section that looks like a teddy bear. If you put your forefinger on the top of the toe on the skin above both the males, it pushes the paws open for you. And that way, none of your dog's fur is in the way as well. And then you push your thumb slightly up and backwards onto the pad while pushing your forefinger forward. And this will extend the nail. So you push forward along that little pad and it will push the, the forefinger forward and then it will open up the paw. That way you can clip the tip of the nail straight across, including the dew claw allocated on the like upper side of the paw. It's the one that doesn't touch the floor. So include the clippers, you know, um, to avoid clipping the curve of the nail because that's where you're going to potentially sort of hit the hit the wick so it's just a little tip it's a nick you know that that you just sort of catch off the top of off the top of it if you want to do that however if your dog is absolutely petrified of the clippers another thing you can do is grind the dog's paws um with a dog with a like a dog nail grinder the cheapest chips are about 19 pounds on Amazon and it will last a really, really long time. So only grind a small part of the little dog's paw, uh, paw? dog's nail at a time. And then again, support the dog's toe firmly but gently. And then grind across the bottom of the nail and then carefully from, from the tip of the nail, smooth the little rough edges. And for better control, hold the grinder higher up towards the top when you have one that it'll make sense so hold the grinder higher up towards the top and then when you're doing that you you can sort of grind across and then keep your dog comfortable and if there's any sensitivity of course it's a grinding sound so it's going to vibrate a little bit on them so just be careful they might find it a little bit ticklish sometimes if your dog has long hair then make sure that you sort of keep it back from the grinding tool otherwise the hair will get caught in the grinding tool and then like pull so um, just make sure that you move all the hair back before you actually start grinding. Um, and then you can sort of like change the little pads on the grinding tool as well. <clears throat> so if you if you fail to cut your dog's nails, um, I mean, regular nail maintenance is more cosmetic, but there is also a point where the nails will fall, will fold backwards and and basically go back into their bodies so it'll it'll cut into them if, if you sort of let their nails get too long so if they're not walked enough if um if they you know walking will, will sort of help like naturally grind on the nails but the nails do grow we grow nails they grow nails so cutting them regularly is a really good thing for them because then it doesn't hurt them it doesn't grow into them especially the the dew claw on the side because that one can bend backwards and go straight into their little bodies so you know it's, it's a really good thing to sort of keep keep their nails long uh, keep the nails short and take good care of their nails so i hope that advice helps somebody i hope it's sort of um useful advice to somebody anyway so I talk quite a lot on this podcast about my phobia. I have a phobia which is called galophobia. I have an insane fear, and I know it's irrational, but I can't get past it, of the fact that there's a shark in a swimming pool. Uh, I don't swim. I don't get in a pool. And it's my largest fear is about a gym pool. And I, I know it makes absolutely no sense, but my brain tells me, that there is a shark in the gym swimming pool and I will not get in one. Well, I 
took the time this weekend because we went to center parks they have a water park um and weirdly a water park slightly different because you're going down like slides and stuff and i think you're quite distracted but i managed to swim this weekend i went i did the water park i did all the rides i think i mentally prepared myself for about two days before i went um and i have trying I'm trying to do exposure therapy to the things that I'm fearful of so uh you know I've got a fear of heights and a fear of escalators I mean it's crazy I'm really petrified of heights but escalators living in London I have no choice but to be exposed to them so over time I've become better on escalators I'm much more I, I can actually look up now, whereas before I had to close my eyes on them and just stare at the floor. Whereas now I'm a lot better with them. I, I still struggle with the glass ones, like in the in the malls. Um, but the ones in the tube I'm much better with. And I'm trying to do exposure therapy to water so that I get over this irrational fear of sharks in water. But it was so funny because at one point, there's a big open area which has got like a wave pool. And there were tons of people standing in it. And we went and did some rides and then came back and everybody had been taken out of the water. And I believe there was an incident. I don't know what happened. I'm not going to even speculate what happened, but they'd taken everybody out of the water. And I turned to everybody I was with and I went, oh, I bet you it's a shark. And somebody walked past us and called Mark. But I genuinely heard her say shark. And I was like, I told you, I told you guys, it's sharks. But it was kind of like at the end, we were sort of done for the day and we sort of headed off and got showered and changed. So it was really funny. But I am definitely trying to do exposure therapy, focusing on changing my response to the situation that that I'm fearful of. I'm still not ready to get in a gym pool. It's still not going to happen. But I'm gradually trying to expose myself to sources of my phobia. And, you know, whether it be feeling or sensations, I always laugh at my friends, Michelle and Sean. They've got a, they've got a jacuzzi that they climb into after they've done some exercise or obviously to relax and have fun. And every time they're in there, I'm like, oh, there's a shark, there's a shark. So I think even little things like that I'm trying to expose myself to and sort of, um, you know, simply thinking about getting getting used to the used to the experience and I mean I know I know my fear is irrational but I I still can't sort of like get past it so you know there's also um, cognitive behavioral therapy that you could do Uh, you know you could learn ways to view and cope with the feared objects or situation differently you could learn alternative beliefs about your fear or bodily sensations or impacts in your life so this the CBT emphasizes learning to develop the senses to master the confidence to sort of like get over those feelings. Uh, I believe meditation is a really good thing for fears. It's, you know, there's beta blockers, sedatives that you could do, um, you know, to help with fears. But I was quite proud of myself for exposing myself to the pool and actually getting in the water. I was really, really proud of myself. So, um, and I had fun. That's the most important thing is I actually had fun. You know, I was, sw- uh, you know, we did one, two, three, four, probably five different rides. And it was so fun. And I didn't, I wasn't conscious. You know, you just run around in a costume. And then I suppose you're waiting in the queue. You're getting in the ride. You're like getting to the end of it. It's like, woohoo, next one, next one. So you, I, I honestly 
when I first got in the water, I thought about it. And then I think I was so distracted with everything we were doing that it ended up being really fun. And I think that was the main part, the, the most important takeaway from it is that I actually had fun doing it. So, um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was great. I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, somebody asked me about a treatment because, you know, I try and expose you guys to as many treatments, medical, aesthetic stuff, because it's it's my wheelhouse. It's where I work. It's what I do. Um, so I was asked about a treatment called Sunikos. Sunikos. It's S-U-N-E-K-O-S. And what it is, it's an injectable treatment that's used it uses a patented formula. It's six omega acids with hyaluronic acid and it stimulates fibroblasts, which is cells of uh, of synthesis collagen. So it promotes the production of elastin and collagen, which we sort of lose as we age. So it improves the skin's health. It improves the appearance of your skin. And Cinecos 200 is usually a treatment for patients with less visible wrinkles. It can be used in conjunction with Sunucos 1200 for those with deeper wrinkles and volume loss. Sunucos is suitable for all skin types and it's an effective treatment on a number of areas. You can use it on the face, you can use it on the neck, you can use it on um, the hands, the arms, the upper thighs, you can use it on your knees, you can use it under your eye area. And with the addition of the six amiga acids, the with uh, within their patented formula, it basically it takes the body's natural production of collagen and elastin and it boosts it, which results in a tighter treatment area and improves skin hydration and texture. It plumps up wrinkles and fine lines. So, as I said, you get the two, you get the Sunucos two hundred combination. And you get the 1200 combination. So one's for like younger, youthful skin. You just want to sort of boost it before it requires boosting. And then you get the 1200, which is there for damaged skin and severe wrinkles. So like a younger skin and an older skin. So the results of it are really good. But will it hurt? You know, some people ask, you know, what is what will it be a painful experience? So there will always be a little bit of discomfort because you're using a needle to penetrate the skin. But you can use a local anesthetic to make the product more comfortable. So the whole procedure will take between like 15 and 30 minutes. And your practitioner will most likely make sure that you're really comfortable between the whole procedure. So you will start seeing, you need to do four treatment plans of it, two weeks apart. And uh, so it's four treatments, two weeks, so it's two months of treatments. And most patients will really start to see the difference between the first injection session it can create quite a lot of swelling. So after each treatment, although it's minimally evasive and you could sort of resume your normal activities immediately after treatment, you might be swollen and bruised for a couple of days after each session. And then from there, you know, each each clinic will vary on how long the results will last, but it generally lasts about six months. And then at that sort of point, you book like a refresher session of it. And then there's a second project, uh, project product, which is very similar. It's got the same sort of like benefits. It's called uh, Jalupro, J-A-L-U-P-R-O. And this is a dermal bio revitalizer. 
So it's a sterile reabsorbable injection solution that is there to improve skin texture. It's there to reduce the appearance of wrinkles and it can be used on the face, the neck, um, the underarms, the hands, the upper thighs, abdomen and the knee area. So if you suffer from wrinkles in your face, on your body, or you have sort of rough skin texture or even stretch marks, Jalupro can be a suitable treatment for you. So that's another alternative to that. So have a look, um, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a different alternative treatment type, it is something that you guys can consider as well. So I really hope, uh, Amanda, that that is helpful to you since you wanted to know a little bit more about that treatment. Um, I'm sure your local practitioner will be able to help you a little bit more as well. So hopefully that was uh the information that you were looking for i really really hope it was <laughs> guys um last week's conundrum i was from a lovely little girl called tilly and tilly tilly's conundrum was what has four wheels and flies what has four wheels and flies and the answer is a garbage truck or a, um, a garbage collector a rubbish truck so Tilly, I loved your podcast. Oh, I loved your podcast. What am I even talking about? I loved your conundrum. It was so sweet. And uh, some of the answers you guys gave me, I had great answers from you guys. So it was really, really fun. Uh, nobody actually got it right. Uh, but Tilly, that was a good one because it means you, you had a really good conundrum. So well done, Tilly. So this week's one is... Um, what has what's a four-letter word can be written forwards, backwards, or upside down and can be read from left to right? What is a four-letter word that can be written forwards, backwards, or upside down and can still be read from left to right? So send your answers to my Instagram, just James Podcast, which is just underscore James underscore podcast on Instagram. DM me and if you have any cool conundrums, let me know and I will certainly, certainly hand them out. Um, I am so obsessed with this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial at the moment. I am watching it live as much as I possibly can. And uh, because I've been away and I've like haven't really had access to TV or, you know, any of the news outlets and things like that. I've been watching it through TikTok, which I really love the platform to the extent that I could even do that. Uh, so, and also because I've, I've had such severe vertigo last night, I, I couldn't even look up to watch the TV in my room. So I was lying on my tummy or on my side and I had the, my phone on the floor because I was looking down and I wasn't feeling so nauseous. Uh, so I've been watching on ABC News on TikTok on their live feed. So if somebody else is also struggling to find the live feeds and you wanted to try something alternative like that, I'm finding that the best way to watch it live. And I literally just, I, I, I maximize the picture and turn my phone on the side and then I don't get all the live feed. So I can't see everybody typing, which for me, just, I, I, I just find it distracting. So I've been able to watch it that way without getting everybody's sort of comments and wording along with it. So if anybody is looking to watch a live trial and you're not quite sure how to see it, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. So if anybody wants to talk to me about the trial, I would love the convo. I'm so involved in it. And I really do think that there's a bit of injustice. And I'm really sad that, that this has happened to him. I do believe that he is the victim. 
uh, and not Amber. So, yeah, guys, uh, keep me updated on what your thoughts are on the trial. I'd love to know what you think. But dreams don't just work unless you do, guys. So this week, let's work on our dreams. Let's work hard. Hopefully, I'm going to work hard on getting up because this vertigo is absolutely horrific. Um, and I hope everybody has a great week. I'm sorry the podcast was a bit late, but I'm sure you'll understand this because I'm not actually well at the moment. But have a wonderful week, everybody. We will chat again next week. Bye. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. Just James and Thomas the Plant.